and welcome. You're listening to The Final Word on Met Radio's 1280 AM in Toronto. It's January 26th. I'm your host, Gabriella Silva-Ponte. We're live again today, and we'll be covering stories from a dog from Saskatchewan that was found in Toronto, to the Women from Space Music Festival, to Minister Miller's new restrictions on international students. A trigger warning on today's episode, it will contain mentions of sexual assault. As always, let's first take a look at today's top news as reported by Sharanki Kalantharasa. Friday, January 26th, and I'm your host, Sharanki Kalantharasa, reporting from Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. And here are our top stories from today. An Ontario family lost nearly 24K in an airline scam. Scotiabank Arena is to host the PWHL game between Toronto and Montreal. A lost dog from Saskatchewan ends up in downtown Toronto. Lastly, Ottawa teaching assistant accused of sexually assaulting three boys. So let's get into it. For the first headline, an Ontario family lost nearly 24k in an airline scam. An Oakville family summer vacation that was supposed to be relaxing turned into a very hectic one. Baldip Mon told CTV News that him and his family were scammed by someone who claimed to be a, quote, ticket broker who claimed that he would get them a good deal. The scammer allegedly charged Mann's family of four a total of $9,240 to fly from Toronto to Dubai to India. He claimed that they would receive their tickets on the way back after their time abroad was over. However, according to CTV News, when it came time for Mon's family to return, the scammer stopped all means of contact with the family. With not much choice left, Mon had to pay a total of $14,650 for tickets on the way back as a result of late payments and last minute. This totaled to a total cost of $23,890. The Travel Industry Council of Ontario emphasized the importance of travelers being careful when it comes to purchasing tickets. In fact, booking a trip with TICO registered companies can possibly even get compensation for issues with ticket bookings. For the second headline, the Scotiabank Arena is to host the PWHL game between Toronto and Montreal. Yesterday, it was announced that the Professional Women's Hockey League and the Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment playoffs between the PWHL Toronto and PWHL Montreal will be played at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Ontario. The event will take place on the 16th of February. 
For the third headline, a lost dog from Saskatchewan ends up in Toronto, and here's how. A three-year-old dog bear that was missing since September from his home in Saskatchewan was found in downtown Toronto earlier this month. Conrad Fred- Fredrickson, the owner of the German Shepherd Mix, said that him and his family thought the dog had been caught by a coyote due to their being very minimal response regarding his Facebook post about his missing pal. Earlier this month, however, when the dog was taken to Islington Village Animal Hospital by his new owner, a microchip was found and Fredrickson was contacted regarding his missing dog. According to CTV News, it turns out that the Toronto resident who was in Saskatchewan for work was caring for the dog at the time and found him wandering around his place of work. The individual had thought that the dog was a stray and decided to keep him and took the dog with him when he returned to Toronto. A GoFundMe page is currently being set up to relocate Bear to his owners in Saskatchewan. For the final headline, an Ottawa teaching assistant is facing sexual assault charges. The 32-year-old teaching assistant with the Ottawa Carleton District School Board has been charged with sexual assault. The man has been charged for three charges of sexual assault, three charges of sexual interference with a person under the age of 16, and one count of telecommunication with a person under the age of 16, according to the Ottawa Citizen. Ottawa police urge anyone with information to contact them. With this, let's wrap up our news. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. It's Matt Radio, 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Sharanki Kalantharasa. Thanks for listening. Again, that was Sharanki Kalantharasa. Thanks, Sharanki. Toronto's Women from Space Music Festival is back in for its sixth edition. I spoke with artistic co-director Bea Labakova about what the event is and when it is taking place. The Women from Space Festival, it's an experimental music festival that uh, presents, elevates and celebrates uh, uh, women's achievements and women's uh, innovation in uh, music, various musical traditions and genres. We seek artists that are doing something new, fresh, unique. They're open to adventure or they have practice in improvisation and generally are up for taking risks and uh, 
yeah, they, they approach experimentation with with the right head-on attitude. And uh, also, um, uh, we strive to be home for um, all women artists, but also non-binary, genderqueer, and genderfluid, and other gender non-conforming artists who have the relationship to the term woman. So that's another aspect of the festival. So we have... Um, a mixture of local grassroots uh, artists and international guests. Many of them have uh, really cool projects going on, new projects, new albums. We have Matana Roberts. Uh, They are one of the greatest um, saxophonists in the experimental field. So they'll they'll be coming from the States. And they had uh, a massive impact on the experimental and improvised music scene. And uh, Patricia Brennan, who is um, electro vibraphonist, and her unique work with electronics and uh, vibraphone, I think is um, what I really love about her work. Uh, so she released two albums last two years, and she's working on the next one with the project she's coming on. So they're all all artists who are doing really cool, cool, cool work. Um, we have Nicole Rampasso and German Wu, uh, who are Toronto local superstars, as well as Lina Alemano, a uh, trumpet player who will be doing uh, uh, live processing with trumpets. Morgan Page, she will be presenting uh, this uh, big audio-visual experience, uh, also from her most recent uh, album recording. Yeah, yeah, so... They all they all uh, have really great uh, projects going on that are stirring stirring the experimental music scene. So the home of women from space is the 919 Bathurst. It's right at Bathurst and Bloor, few few blocks away from the subway station. It's a beautiful space, big church, uh, church like space. Um, it's in March 8, 9, 10. It's the celebration of International Women's Day. The festival happens uh, over International Women's Day weekend, so we are also celebrating uh, celebrating International Women's Day. The tickets you can get at the website, our website, womenfromspace.com. Um, there are early special, early bird special festival passes, and then uh, early advanced tickets uh, you can find on the website. Labakova explained the importance of this event and why it is beginning on International Women's Day. There has been and there is uh, always uh, still a bit of an imbalance of uh, people you see on stages. And it's great to um, encourage and uh, elevate people who might uh, not get as much attention or or shows as uh, maybe some other people. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's just, just uh, the imbalance of the music industry. It's a reason to celebrate, bring uh, people and the community together to celebrate women's achievement. It's a great uh, time and weekend <laughs> to to run this festival for, for bringing the com- to community together and uh, have a spirit of celebration together. Labakova left some words for those looking to attend the event. Bring, uh, bring your playful, fun spirit and uh, open ears and open eyes, open hearts, and uh, bring your curiosity uh, because uh, music, uh, music has a lot of uh, sounds and shapes that uh, 
we might not hear that often, especially for people who are not uh, uh, involved in the ex more experimental music scene. So just open, open heart, open ears, open eyes. And lastly, she left some words for donors supporting the festival. I can say that uh, we're uh, grateful for funding that we get from uh, Canada Council of the Arts and Arts uh, Ontario Arts Council and uh, Toronto Arts Council. Uh, in a time where uh, many organizations struggle to get funding, it's really important to acknowledge when when funding works out. So we're very happy about and happy and grateful for the support that we get and uh, that we're able to run this festival because of that. Finally, the Canadian Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship, Mark Miller, has imposed some new restrictions for international students in the country. I spoke with Migrant Workers Alliance for Change organizer Saram Rowe, who explained what the cap is. Minister Miller... Um has capped international student permits by 35%. This is hundreds of thousands of people and their families that we're talking about. And in addition to the two-year cap, um, he there are a couple other announcements that are hidden. One in which is um, that in the weeks ahead, families of international students who are in college level or undergraduate level programs will essentially be banned from being in the country. What this is, is, is mass family separation. It's cruel. Families deserve to be together and it must be reversed. The third part of his announcement is that he's also banned postgraduate work permits for anyone starting their studies um, in September 1st of this year at a public-private partnership educational institutions. This means that those who are studying in the private college wing of um, a college that has partnered with a public college will not be able to get postgraduate work permits. And so what this doesn't do is actually fix the failures of this massive expansion of get rich institutions those in which that minister miller himself called puppy mills the thing about a puppy mill is that if we see one we would simply close it down but that's not what this announcement is doing instead what the announcement is doing is still bringing in international students to study at these institutions who have to pay tens of thousands in tuition fees and as well as high costs of rent living um and uh, working, after they graduate, they won't be able to get postgraduate work permits. What we need is a single system in which schools that are eligible for study permits should also be eligible for postgraduate work permits. It's simple. If school is not good enough for a postgraduate work permit, then it should be closed down. 
The, this announcement that happened just this past Monday is coming at the heels of a number of international student announcements that he's made over the past several months. And this has just been an emotional roller coaster of policy changes in this um, just in time way with short term stopgap measures that actually do not address the crisis at hand. And so we're calling on him to ensure stability, predictability, and transparency for um, everyone in the country, and by um, calling on him to ensure fairness for all international students, which is to ensure permanent residence status for all. She also explained when this will be in effect. So... The family separation piece is still up in the air. He said that in the weeks ahead, more details will be announced. Um, and so many international students and their families are extremely worried about how much longer they'll have to be separated. This particularly impacts um, uh, women international students who are either studying here or those who have uh, spouses studying here, um, as this is gonna be disproportionate um, impacts on um, uh, uh, disproportionately um, have a heavier load on um, women. Um, the banning of postgraduate work permits for um, PPP uh, institutions is going to start on September 1st, 2024. Roe explained why this was being implemented and some of its effects. Yeah, what's happening is that these changes are, are coming in a, in a context where there is a massive affordability crisis. Um, this is impacting um, working class people all across the country, including current and former international students. In fact, migrants are some of the hardest hit by the uh, cost of living crisis. Many of us know just how expensive international tuition fees are, right? We're talking about four to five times the domestic rate. I'll give you an example, in Ontario, which is looking at the most significant reduction of international student permits following Minister Miller's announcement, the average tuition for international students in college programs is $15,000. That's compared to domestic rate at $3,000. That's five times the amount. Similarly, international tuition fees for university is the highest in Ontario out of all the provinces, and the average is $45,000. I think for most people like you and me and listeners out there, this is an amount of money that we can't even fathom. And so people are having to make massive sacrifices in order to be able to simply pay for their tuition fees. And this doesn't even include the 20000 that international students have to show in the bank or put in a trust, Canadian bank, in order to come here. It doesn't include the cost of rent, groceries, and bills. They are also being hit by this affordability crisis. And so the answer to um, uh, addressing this affordability crisis is not by scapegoating or blaming some of the most vulnerable uh, people in society, but instead to see who's really responsible for the crisis. And in fact, one step further is who is profiting off of the crisis? Because there are some people 
who are doing well. There are some people who are benefiting from the fact that landlords can hike up rent, um, that institutions can increase international tuition fees at any time for however much percentage because there are no regulations, and that there are employers who are able to continue to push wages and working conditions down. It's making their pockets uh, full. And in fact, taking they're taking money out of pockets of working class families of international students. And that's uh, simply not fair. And it's bad for all of us. She went into detail about how Canadians can help. It's been amazing to see that in just the past couple days, um, international students, domestic students, um, faculty, including um, part-time and contract faculty um, at schools have been speaking up to say, we actually reject this um, uh, discourse that is um, led by racist or xenophobic ideas of um, migrants. And in fact, we're calling on education institutions to seek greater provincial funding for public education, um, calling on uh, the federal government and provincial government to um, make sure that there's actually investment in housing. Um, and also calling on the federal government to ensure that international students can be simply treated like everybody else. The only way that's possible is if they have the same rights and protections, and that is only possible by ensuring that they have permanent residence status for all. Roe finished by leaving some words of comfort for international students. that this is hard and it's tough. We're in for a moment where there may be increasing blame put on international students, on migrants and immigrants and racialized people, but that we can't lose hope. That hope is only uh, built by the people who believe in it and we can build hope together. And that there are places like the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change uh, which have um, spaces where people like um, us can come together to be in community with each other, to talk about and process um, how difficult our situation is, and to also know that we can and have historically spoken up collectively and changed rules for the better. And that we are joined by so many supporters and allies and permanent residents and citizens um, because we know that the call for permanent residence status for all, the call to ensure fairness for all, is a call to lift the floor for everybody. So people can join us by um, uh, signing up at migrantstudentsunited.ca or um, if there are international students out there who need support with um, issues at work or school or access to services, they can call our um, free and confidential um, hotline which is at 
that's our show. You've been listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabriela Silvaponte. This episode was put together by myself and Sharanki Kalantharasa. Thank you for listening live, and we'll see you again next week.